0: to another episode of the Nothing But Bull podcast. I'm your host, Dirk, and as always, I'm here with my main man, Justin. Just B, what's going on? Nothing much. Nothing much.
1: Happy to be here with you all, though.
0: And, of course, Melissa, how's it going?
2: What's going on, Bulls Nation? What's up, you two? End of another season, but it was fun.
0: It's not fun, (laughs) because... (laughs) We should be in the playoffs right now. How
1: are you going to stand up and lying, Mel?
2: I mean, the season was overall kind of fun. It was a bit of a roller coaster, <laughs> but um, you know, I always have to have this glass half perspective. <laughs> it's a coping mechanism. You know, I always have to remember where we were three years back and prior, but it definitely ended too early. <laughs> We should have at least made the playoffs. I didn't expect to go too far in the playoffs, but we should have at least made the playoffs for sure. After all that hard work they put in after all-star break, especially that, I don't know. They played like great the whole game. It came down to like the last four minutes. Let me cope how I got to (laughs) cope.
0: We had several things working against us. We had run three in a row before this game, and as we know, the whole season, we could not win four straight. We had Tony Brothers as the referee, and then, of course, you have the clown on the sidelines, Billy Donovan. It was a recipe for disaster.
1: Let's be real. There's one thing that was working against us, <laughs> and it's the ladder that you mentioned. <laughs> Gum boy. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I, I wanted to ask this early on. Was like, because I I was looking at the game and I'm like, man, we're going to lose this. But like, was there like any point where you all were like, yeah, it's, it's not going to be our night. And I know you mentioned like everything that was working against us. But as you were watching the game, was like there any moment where you were like, it's not happening
0: when I realized Zach was like six for twenty-one. Kinda hard to <laughs> win when your leading scorer shoots six of twenty-one for twenty-eight point six percent. No threes.
1: I get that point for for me though, it was like the first first seven minutes. It's like um Caruso has all of our points basically, and Booch has taken one shot that was a three. Um, and I was like, if this, if this is what we're looking for to be sustainable throughout this game, that's not going to work. And sure enough, um, yeah, early early exit for us. Can we even say it's an exit because we weren't really in? So.
0: <laughs> we, well, we made history even <laughs> becoming the first ten seed to win a playing game. All we had to do was win one more to get in. <laughs> so,
1: there, it's none an of those exit. stats mean anything. <laughs> it's an early exit. <laughs> none of those stats will be counted for anything. There are no stats like playing stats that are accounted for
0: as skill so. history first thing to do it
1: yeah history it needed to be history like, <laughs> that game was all kinds of stupid like just like looking at the game where like we scored more field goals um yeah like they, <laughs> we scored more field goals like like, it's, it's funny, like, people talk about, like, three-point shooting, and I'm like, well, Miami's like, they shot 10 of 30, we shot 8 of 28, so it's not like we were, like, you know, getting killed from the three-point range, so we weren't getting killed from the three-point range, I think we were causing, like, more turnovers, and yet and still, like, for us to lose the way we did, it just, uh, it's pretty indicative of the the lack of identity that this team has had for the entire year is just—it's comical <laughs> and it's frustrating at the same—the same time. So,
2: what did you guys think about when? Uh, well, I shouldn't even—I don't—I—I I probably shouldn't even ask this, but what did you guys think about when uh, Billy subbed out Kobe when he was when he was hot, and uh, also with Andre? What do you think the reasons were for that? Cause I've seen like a few things floating around, but you know, in the presser he was saying, it's cause he wanted to try something different on defense um, by putting Pat in. What'd you guys think about it?
1: Try something different. Didn't, didn't like the heat, like I think they might've shot like six of 20 or something like that in one of the quarters. Like why, why are we trying something different on defense like what what they were doing was working when we got into the third quarter um it it was funny um (laughs) Stan Van Gundy I know a lot of people don't like Stan Van Gundy but because I've been watching him in South Florida for years like he's comical to me but he said something like oh yeah um the the Bulls are changing it up like playing a full court (laughs) defense (laughs) And like why weren't we doing that from the beginning like you know there were just some obvious things that should have been the game plan going in so to feel like you needed to do something for like a different look or or whatever it just i i don't know what to say about this coaching staff i just don't <laughs> like if you were looking from the beginning of the game like who like coach won the, the opening tip the beginning of the game should have told you you know what our guy who's uh, doing the jump ball, like he's bigger than that other guy over there. Let's just give it to him down low. And Vooch had nine shots.
0: Vooch had the clear advantage.
1: <laughs> nine shots.
0: The Heat have nobody who could guard Vooch. And he takes nine shots. The plan yeah, should nope. have been feed Vooch.
1: Nobody who can guard, Derek, okay, let's, and Melissa, y'all seen, like, Miami's roster, like, right? Like, there are three undrafted guys who played quality minutes for that team. Undrafted.
0: Been fade, the,
1: the, the thing about uh, Bam, Bam was like considered a def- defensive anchor because of, he can switch off on different guys. And he does a great job of doing that, but he cannot guard people in the post. That's something that's been obvious throughout his career in Miami. You know, anybody who's kept up with the Miami Heat, um, for them to not attack that clear advantage and just, like, keep punishing and keep punishing and keep punishing. It, it was like, I understood that they were like trying to close off like the lanes and keep keep Demar and, and, and Zach out of the lane from getting to the basket. But one of the, the staples of the offense should have been get Booch on the elbow, get him in the paint. Um, And they just failed to recognize that the entire game, except for, ironically enough, when Kobe came in. Uh, Kobe made it a point to get booch the ball, not just on the perimeter, but down low or to create some type of like two-man game with them. And it, it's just funny, um, you know, we were questioning all year about like the point guard and do they have like the right guy? And <clears throat> the only person who was on that team yesterday who kind of recognized that was was Kobe. Yeah, let me get it to the guy who's bigger than everybody and also is more skilled on offense than that, than Bam is on defense. Like it should have just been an obvious thing and we just didn't do it.
2: Unfortunately, that's been kind of like the story of the whole season when we, when they figure out something that works, especially, I mean, it's something we talk about all the time using Looch as like the connecting piece. Um, we see how great they flow when they use him as such. And he, he really did get used to that role. He's been like a double, double machine. But um, when they're feeling it, they're great offense is flowing, but it's so unpredictable. (laughs) It's really inconsistent. It's it's really just a flow thing. Like sometimes they're in flow and sometimes they're not. And a lot of it has to do with, again, lack of offensive identity. Um, And then they just go away from things at work, which is utilizing Vooch more. But I don't know. It's been a tough one this season. Um, there's there was improvement over last season. of course they kicked it up after all-Star break um adding Pat to the roster and Kobe's improvement and just having like that true point guard has been great for the team but um my expectations weren't really that high this season after what we <laughs> after what we saw and what's still going down, not going down staying down and that new news um but they were higher than last season and I think the talent, that we added that many pieces, um, the expectations were higher than last season. So it is still pretty disappointing, but it is what it is. Hopefully they build off of this and we'll see what kind of changes they make. You guys watch the pressers?
1: Yeah. Um, I didn't get it.
0: Like going back to this question about, you know, Billy pulling out Kobe. (laughs) He he said it was for defense. Mm Mm-hmm. He was getting killed by Max Struess. Like from, from three. Because It was a point I was texting Stacey King and I'm like, who is guarding Max Struess? And he's like, Kobe is so effing far off, He can't get back in time. So to, to hear Billy was like, oh, it's for defense. Well, I'm like, mm, he was getting killed by Struess. But Russo should have been on Struess. I didn't understand why AC wasn't on him.
1: But that also goes back to like that. Honestly, that goes back to game planning. Um, And the reason why I say that is because when Miami attacked Chicago on defense, like they went into a zone and the Bulls had no idea what to do when they went into a zone and it should have been just obvious, just get into the middle, get into the paint. Um, but like it's, it just comes from a lack of preparation, and it's not to like absolve like Kobe from like his defensive assignments on um on Struess or even to absolve um Zach with his lack of executing the offense. You know, six to twenty one, you can't you can't do that when you're trying to when a, when a game is this important. But a lot of that, I I got a question like the repetition as far as the practice and what those guys are being presented with. Um, or just like a simple timeout, you know, Hey, <laughs> that guy's killing us. Okay. And and then it's also like, you have an advantage, just like if Struz is going to be in there, he's undersized, just like the entire Miami heat roster is just clearly undersized. There should have been some way that they could have, gotten those guys into foul trouble just like with the athletic ability of Demar of Zach and even with um with with p will like getting those guys on the move so that they could attack Miami's defense and not allow them to just be stationary you know that <laughs> it, it should have been something that at least as the game went on, should have been addressed like how many how many three-point shots did shoes have was it like five
0: it was more than five <laughs> five it was more than five <laughs> let me see real quick he had anyway. five like in the first quarter Next.
1: but it's like what what is going on as far as like as the game is moving ahead
0: okay he had seven <laughs> seven of 12, <laughs> 31 points.
1: Like, I don't mind like um him going off like that, but for him to have only three fouls when clearly our wings have an advantage over him athletically, that doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't register for me. And, you know, that, again, those guys have to be, have to recognize who they're playing against on the floor because there were too many times, and we've seen this all year, like the help defense has not been where it's supposed to be. Like if you're going to make a move, then just commit to that move. Don't allow yourself to get lost and watch your guy who's moving off the ball. But, you know, that's – a lot of that is just preparation.
0: Yeah. Um. You know, speaking of the presser, our guess was – At the presser today, so let's bring him in. There he is. We are being joined by the senior writer for WARR Media and the Bulls reporter for the Bigs Media, Joshua Hicks. Joshua, how's it going?
3: Going pretty good, guys. How about you? All right, man. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate the opportunity. So, yeah, thank
1: you, Joshua, I I feel like I put like more effort in tra- through no fault of your own, in trying to track you down than I did in trying to secure a, a date a first date with my wife. So, <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> glad the schedule finally <laughs> came together. But uh, thank you for being patient and, and and coming on.
3: No problem at all.
0: So, Joshua, as I was. Bringing you on, I mentioned that you were at the end-of-season presser today. How was, like, the feeling of what was actually said versus what you think they will actually <laughs> act on?
3: Well, um, Arturis this pretty much made it known that, um, you know, rebuild is not in their minds. Uh, they're more focused on trying to build around the core group that they have of their big three, you know, DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, and Nikola Vucevic with Vuce, with them knowing that Vuce is a free agent this offseason. And um, they show their interest in making sure they're going to do what they can to bring him back. They want him back. Um, and Vuce pretty much confirmed that the feeling is mutual. You know, he does want to come back and stay, but there's other factors that have to play into it, not, uh, not just from a fit perspective, but the vision offensively as well as his family you know he loves chicago his family loves chicago and he's about to have a third baby in a couple months so he's trying to uh make sure that you know everything's good with the family as well as you know the fit and where the vision is moving forward with this core group and where the where the bulls are trying to go because at the end of the day they regressed um they, they went from being a playoff team last year, guaranteed playoff team last year, no play-in uh, on top of that, to, you know, losing in the first round into to this uh, season where you have to play in to try even get a play-in spot and you don't even make the, the playoffs off of that. Um, you know, so what they feel they made improvements, even though the ending result wasn't what they wanted. Um, but the reality is, at the end of the day, they're confident in the core group that they have. They want to maintain those guys and build the right pieces necessary to help propel the team moving forward. Um, what that looks like remains to be seen because um, even though it looks like the the team could potentially be slightly retooled, um, the team, Carnus, Carnus knows that all options are on the table. He's going to evaluate all options, which does mean if Boots doesn't come back or uh DeMar DeRozan may seem to be wanting in a different situation considering that he did come here because of Vooch you know you you don't know what the team's going to look like moving forward for the season but it's pretty much clear that from as of right now their direction is building around the core group of DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, and Nikola He and bringing the best tools possible uh, to make sure this team flourishes in a way that it can flourish. And some of it is going to be growth within the organization from a player's perspective. That's currently on the roster. Some of it is resigning a couple guys like Kobe white. He's a restricted free agent this off season. Um, and they expressed interest in bringing him back. So it's figuring out those kinks, but also at the same time filling out the areas that they know they need to improve in. And that's a lot of areas. You Talk about lack of rebounding. We talk about the lack of depth in the front court. We talk about, um, the lack of three-point shooting, the Bulls were dead last in three-point shooting this past season. So they're aware of what needs to be done, but me personally, I, I do have question marks regarding are they actually going to go forth and get it done in a way that they want to considering they were big on continuity and they were big on giving the team the chance for players to grow in chemistry-wise as well as their skill sets to see what this team, the makeup of this team really can be. And they underachieved this year in the season where they expected second round playoffs or further. So it, it just depends on what, you know, what they're going to do. But right now they're talking all the right things.
2: <laughs> I, I watched some of the presser too. And I noticed um, he was very enthusiastic about when he was asked about um resigning Kobe.
3: He mm-hmm.
2: was, was very definitive. I didn't really get that same feeling when he was asked about Io. Maybe it's just me. But what did, what did you get from that? Or how did it feel when he answered that question? I know he did say that, like he's looking to keep him as long as possible, but it just didn't feel as enthusiastic.
3: Well, Io had an up and down season. You you have to be mindful of the fact that when I talked to him, he didn't necessarily say he's in a sophomore slump. Um, when you talk about his sophomore year into the league, but it was very much up and down. He went from starting point guard to coming off the bench to go back into starting lineup, and then at the end. You know, Patrick Beverly came in and pretty much took that starting point guard spot and proven that at the end of the day, the Bulls needed a veteran point guard in that backcourt, not just a young and upcoming player who is learning to be a point guard. Because he's not necessarily a point guard coming out of, uh, coming out of uh, you know, University of Illinois. So um, he's still learning that position. And Kobe White, for sure, at that time was still learning that position. So you had to bring in veteran help with Lonzo Ball being out. And that's what they did. And, you know. I wasn't wasn't waived by that. Um, he was more focused on just being a team guy. Um, and he knows where he needs to improve that. But because of the fact that there was the point guard position was such a problem this season, um, I think the Bulls know what they need to do to fill it, especially since they, as of right now, are getting the feeling that Lonzo Ball is going to miss a lot of time next season. They're not going to completely rule out saying that he's out for next year, but because they because you know Arturus did say that he is confident that Lonzo Ball will be coming back. However, Lonzo Ball more three three knee surgeries now, and you've missed two years of basketball. I I can't guarantee that he's going to come back and be the same player right away. So they're going to need a point guard or an insurance policy on that point guard position and especially when we talk about from a starting point guard, I.O. as of right now, doesn't fully give what that starting point position can be. He can be a great backup. But as of right now, I think the Bulls know what they need to do with that position. And yeah, you can get the vibe that he wants I.O. there, but it's not a guarantee that he will be there because they want to retool that position in such a way where it doesn't have a lot of relapses like they experienced this past season. So, with right. that
1: being said, who who do you think the focus will primarily shift towards the the uh, front office going back to try to resign? Like, will it be uh, Kobe, uh, Pat, or I.O. Like, who
3: who do you think like they put
1: their primary focus on?
3: It's most likely going to be well, Vooch number one. Vooch is definitely the number one option right now to secure um but outside of vooch kobe white's most likely going to be next it's probably going to be kobe and pat um because they are very high on patrick williams and this is his first real season that he had where he was healthy enough to play through um because he's been injured his first few years so they liked what they saw out of patrick williams and they understand that Patrick Williams is still figuring out when and where to pick his spots because he's playing with three stars. And he's still trying to figure out the way to land within the game. But they like what they saw from him. And I know they will probably want to grow him even that much further because when Patrick Williams really starts to understand the game and be more consistent with his aggressive play, he has a chance to be a special player. He does. Um, and the bulls know that, and they don't want that to just go away right away. Um, cause if they had a chance, if, cause if that's how they felt about him, or they felt like he wasn't going to be a good fit for this current team right now, he would have been traded by now. He would have been part of some other deal that could have brought in someone that can fill that void, but they have him, and they want him. So because of the fact that he's, that he was carnivorous and Mark Eversley's very first pick since they were been in office. And um you, and the fact that Kobe White has pretty much earned the trust of that front office and Billy Donovan, because we have to be mindful of the fact that Arturis Carnivis did not draft Kobe White. John Paxson and Gar and you know, John Paxson and Gar Foreman did. So for them for him to earn the trust of that front office and Billy Donovan to pretty much say, you know, we want you to be that guy, and Billy Donovan emphasizing today. He believes Kobe White does have a chance to be a starting point guard in this league because of the fact that he's grown so much since he's been here in Chicago. I can't see Io having that much of a spot, especially when you already got Dale and Terry on the rise, too, on this Bulls roster, who made an argument last year that he may not be the best offensive player, but he fills what the Bulls need, which is defensive presence in the perimeter and energy and a tenacity that fits the physical component that Arturis Karnisavis and Mark Eversley are looking for. So Io's kind of in the the mud right now. I think he's going to be in the mud for a little bit because he's not going to be the primary focus. It's probably going to be Kobe White and Patrick Williams outside of the big, obviously the big fish in Nikola Vucevic. Great.
0: I think it was KC that had asked, on tourists who's like, well, you sound like you're trying to sign everybody, but I don't think you have the cap space to do it. <laughs> and he's just kind of laughing it off. So I was like, immediately, I'm thinking, I.O. has got to be the man out. And I don't know. I think Javante Green's probably not under contract anymore, is he?
3: No, uh, Javante Green, he'll, he'll he's a free agent as well. Um, it's hard to see what they're gonna do right now because. The way they expressed it was they want to re- They're going to look at every option, but at the same time, their heart is still like in this phase where we kind of like what we have. And let's, you know, let's just see where it goes. Um, so it's kind of hard to fully justify at this present moment that everybody's coming back, especially since he pretty much said, we're going to sign everybody. It seems like, <laughs> um, but the reality is he claims you know, that the Ryan's doors are giving them the full go yep. and they can do, they, they have the green light to do whatever they need to do until I actually see that <laughs> um, <laughs> it's hard to actually say that they're going to do that. Cause we know how the Ryan's doors are. So um, it's going to be kind of tough to really evaluate all that stuff out. But I do believe that as things continue to go moving forward throughout this off season and They've signed the big fishes that they need to get and potentially bringing back Nikola Vucevic and Kobe White. I think after that, you might see some surprises because as much as we like to knock our tourist Karnisovic and Mark Eversley for not you know, being aggressive at the trade deadline, knowing that this group currently constructed is not working, he was the main reason why we had a retooled roster even last year. You know, bringing in Alex, or a couple years ago, bringing in Alex Caruso, bringing in DeMar DeRozan, trading for Booch, like making the moves that the previous regime did not do and wasn't willing to do. So they've shown that they can be aggressive when they need to be. Will they do it this go around though? It remains to be seen.
2: He talked about like the lack of moves at the trade deadline too. And he had mentioned, um, he kept mentioning that there was really, nothing available how do you feel about that do you think that there really wasn't anything to work with or do you think it was a matter of the wallet <laughs> jerry <laughs> mike mike's wallet that uh even though he said that he has they have a uh, he has their support what do you think about that
3: I'll, I'll i'll say this i think there could have been some moves that could have been made i believe he just wanted to see what this team and the makeup of this team is going to be For the rest of the season because he was so big on continuity giving the team a chance to you know come together in the moments when they need to the most and you won't really figure that out until really the end of the season at this present moment because the bull uh season was so lopsided compared to last year so i believe that he did his research i do believe that and he just felt that there wasn't any moves to be made i I think they could have made small moves that maybe bringing in some type of shooting potentially considering we were dead last in the league in three-point shooting and not just three-point shooting percentage, but also three-point shooting makes and attempts. Yep. Um. That's a problem. You're not going to win too many games that way. Um. And, you know, they know that, but there are some shooters at the trade deadline that did get traded to contenders and they're making impacts on those contending playoff contending teams right now. And they're in the playoffs right now. So I think the Bulls could have made some moves for that. Purpose, but I think that they also wanted to stick to their guns and stick to their game plan, which was to give the team pretty much the full season to figure out what they're going to do and what that this team really looks like, and to see what they really have. And if anything, use the trade deadline to gog the interest of what it would take in case something in the offseason season were were needed to needed to happen, whether it is trading Zach Levine or whether it is tra- doing like a sign and trade for Vuce. You know, like, it just depends on what the scenario is. But I do believe they were just really doing a lot of research behind the scenes to see what all their options are going to be. Because the main theme that Arturis Cornelius constantly hyped, harped on was, my job is to evaluate everything. And I'm going to do that regardless of how I feel this offseason about this team. Which means he's going to evaluate every option and see which players are going to stay and which players are going to go. And you can't do that unless you got the interest and take the calls.
0: Right. You mentioned like being dead last and three-point shooting percentage attempts makes. And it seemed like that would be the priority going into the offseason. But it almost sounded like it was more of a coaching plan that he wants to implement more three-point shots in the offense. And even like DeMar said that he'll be taking more threes as he's getting older and his game is always changing. So it didn't seem like they're necessarily going to just go out and try to find shooters, but they just want to like implement it more in the coaching plan for players to improve their shooting.
3: There's some of that. Um, I I will say that because when you talk to someone like Kobe White, who's one of the best three-point shooters on the team, he'll tell you, Part of the reason why we didn't shoot the best is because we didn't take a lot of, shoot, of threes. We turned down a lot of three-point jump shots, Um, and him himself included. So his biggest thing was harping on the fact that we just didn't take advantage of opportunities that were given to us behind the three-point line. And that eventually is going to have to give when you talk about the Bulls, where you're not only struggling to make the three, but you're constantly starting off games slow, and you're not – And you're always in the hole, you know, behind that that in the hole with big deficits, double digit deficits in early amounts of games like those type of things that have to improve. Part of it is you being aggressive with your three point shooting so you can make those comebacks. So that way you can not always be playing catch up and players know that. Um, And the coaches actually really do believe in the players that they do have from a shooting perspective. And quite honestly, You can agree with some of that. Alex Caruso is a 40% career three-point shooter. Uh, Javante Green, before he got hurt, improved his jump shot drastically and was making timely threes. Um, Kobe White, same way. We always knew he was a sniper. He was sniping from three and and shooting over 40% from the three-point line, especially in the last half of the season. When Zach Levine got himself together, he was shooting 35% or more from three. So... The shooting, for the most part, was improving and was somewhat there, and I know that's what they were relying on, was the the player development for each player to add that element to their game. And it was working in the beginning, but obviously with injuries, players trying to get themselves together, and, like Kobe mentioned, the lack of IQ and risk-taking when it comes to shooting and making three-point jump shots. That all factors into why the Bulls We're dead last. And will they make moves to change that? I hope so. Arturo's said that they're heavily going to look into that. But you can look into a lot of things. I look into homes out here. I already got a home. So I don't necessarily have to move. They got to actually make the move to get these people. And we know they can do it. But it's a different this is a different offseason compared to what it was a couple of years ago.
1: It has been um, something that we have talked about several times and many fans have harped on the fact that this team just doesn't seem to have a consistent offensive identity. And I know part of that is tied into them and their ability to take and make three-point shots. Uh, You talked about uh, the front office kind of being excited about exciting those players. Are the players, just from what you've gauged and the, with you being around them do you feel like they're fully buying into the system and the front office the ability to address uh, the the concerns of the team and, and get them over the hump to the next step which is not just trying to make the play in tournament
3: yeah they're bought in um there wasn't it wasn't like this season there was a huge disconnect between any of the players really and um the and the coaching staff or front office. Um you can make a case for one of the players in Andre Drummond, who kind of had a little bit of a disconnect, uh, considering that, you know, playing time, availability, etc. Um, you can tell from the outside looking in, that was a little bit of an issue. And um even Zach Levine trying to figure out what his role was going to look like with this team, because if you can recall in the beginning of the season, he was outspoken and said, yo, I got to talk to Billy. I'm not playing late in games and I'm playing, you know, and I feel like I should be out there. That's a problem for me, you know? And after you work out those kinks, you 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 start to see the cohesiveness between the, within the team. And, you know, the players love playing for each other and uh, playing for the coaching staff. But I also think this year was a little bit more difficult because this is a new offensive system. Um, this was the offense I was supposed to be built on, randomness uh less DeMar DeRozan but more share the wealth um we talk about scoring and putting people into positions to exploit their gifts and the problem is to me from outside looking in there wasn't a lot of that when you play through Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan that's completely iso ball half of your half of your offense you know, when the Bulls played through Nikola Vucevic, whether he scores or not, the offense flowed. There was a movement. There was constant action, and you normally got positive results from it. The Bulls don't ha- ne- never express the IQ of constant of sticking to that game plan. Game plans always change, whether it's beginning of the game, middle of the game, end of the game. It's no it's no consistency of playing well for 48 minutes of basketball and that's been a problem this season for them. So, it's a lot of factors to be honest with you. It's not just uh players supposedly buying in or not. That they've always been bought in. The problem is the offense that they ran this season, there's inconsistencies and there were flaws to it. And it showed in massive ways. And because of that, that's where Billy Donovan has to go back to the drawing board and figure out, okay, how can we make this offense that much better? Especially since now you created a blueprint for someone like a Nikola Vucevic. You're trying to get him at the top, top 10 center in this league to come back. And that's not a guarantee. So you need to be able to show him that, hey, with this offense that we're running, or I'm trying to run, we need to be more consistent in getting you involved. And this is what it can look like. So it's, it's more factors to it. I'll, I'll say, I'll just, I'll put it that way. It's more factors to it, but the team is the team. There's never really any chemistry issues per se with the team.
1: I ask because like you mentioned randomness, but then you talked about, you know, them needing to get boost the ball. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think listening to a lot of people who have been um, on against Zach and like what he does wrong on the court. It is, it's rather interesting to me because when I look at like great players around the league, they exploit what they're great at and their, their scheme, like it, it really magnifies what they're great at. Like we don't look at Steph and are like, well, man, how come you didn't dump the ball more? Um, in fact, when we do see Steph dunk, it's like, wow, I didn't know he could jump. He, I didn't know he could get up like that or. Like, there's never anybody who's like, well, man, Giannis, you should have been shooting more. Like, no, you do what it is that fits your strengths. And it to, to me, I, I asked that question before because it just seems rather odd when you have three very efficient uh, offensive players in different positions, like why that hasn't gelled quite like what we expected. Do you have any thoughts on that?
3: I think a lot of it is IQ IQ discipline Um, because like you said three offensive players that have proven efficiency wise as well as um, scoring wise the influence and impact they can have on a game and within those three options that you have there is no reason why you can't figure out what an offensive identity is because you got so much at your disposal. The great ones will understand that. The problem is we have Vooch who understands that. You got DeMar DeRozan who pretty much understand it as veterans in the league. And with Zach being a younger veteran, I think he's learning still what it means to be in that type of role because between Vooch – and Zach Levine, this is the best talent they played on any roster this past season. And on top of that, they're still trying, especially for Zach, he's trying to he's maturing more in a leadership role because he's the face of the franchise. You are the max player. I think this past season, <clears throat> excuse me, Zach was learning that there's levels to being a max player. There's levels that come with the expect of the expectations that is expected of you. Zach can't just go out and just ball out and drop 27 and five and then be like, okay, we should be winning. There's other ways to impact the game. And one of Zach's flaws is the IQ component. He does not always have the best IQ. He doesn't make always the best decisions in games. And that's the team in general that's like that. Um, So I think that's one of the major reasons, to be quite honest with you. It's the IQ combined with the discipline so that way, when things break down or things aren't going the way you want it to go, you have a system of morals and principles that you can follow behind to push yourself every single game and every single minute of the game to improve, make stops, score timely, and put yourself in winning situations. And for half of the season, you could say they were doing that. Um, because a lot of the games that they did lose this year were close games between, you know, clutch moments, uh, fourth quarter, or last three minutes of a game or overtime. But at the end of the day, you still didn't win. So because you didn't win, there's those. that's where the discipline comes in. That's where the mental toughness comes in. That's where um, that will and determination comes in to where, you can't just play any old kind of way and just expect things to come together. You have to play a certain brand of basketball that will lead to winning on both ends of the floor. And it took them a while to get that this year. Um, But it's still something they have to learn from considering that there was so much change, not just with the fact of Lonzo ball being out for the rest of this for the whole season, but also new offense, new coaching style, and players adapting to roles that quite frankly they aren't necessarily meant to adapt to. Those are all
1: great points, but all I heard was Billy's team has no morals. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so that to Billy and you might get a different answer. Do <laughs> you have an
2: insight on like how their practices go? like and including like film sessions how what, what are they working on because we talk a lot about discipline and it seems to I don't know for just a basketball fan it seems to be a lot of common sense things that the Bulls are lacking on like the discipline the the consistency just running offense through Vooch it's like Stacey always says it's a simple game I mean it's pretty obvious mm-hmm. um, we always are discussing amongst ourselves like what what is the disconnect Cause they know what works. They see what works. We see flashes of just great basketball when they're in flow, but then they can play a completely different game the next game, or even from, from half to half, it's like a completely different game. Well, do you have any insight on like what practices look like or what locker room chats look like or film sessions or.
3: Um, not necessarily. Um, I'll, what I will say is when you go into a locker room or you go into the locker room, um, I see the veterans rallying around the young guys, trying to teach the young guys. DeMar DeRozan is always talking to the young guys. Um, Patrick Beverly, when he got there, was always talking to the young guys. Matter of fact, Patrick talks a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, but the camaraderie was there. I just think that youth, I think the Bulls threw a lot of younger guys in the fire to develop in such a way. To impact the game that doesn't necessarily match the veteran talent mm-hmm. and the urgency behind winning basketball. Because at the end of the day, Vooch is 32. Vooch is 32 or above 32. Martha Rosen is in his is in his 30s. Those are two players that right now, even though they can play or putting up prime numbers, they're coming out of their prime a little bit. They don't have much time to win championships. And you pairing them with Zach, who is young but still learning because this is the first time he's actually been in a winning culture um or trying to be in a winning culture the, you have those three leading your team you and you're hoping that your other main players that you play are all guys that are younger barely made the first 4 or 5 years in the league so you're holding that's a lot of responsibility to give to a core group of people when you know the sense of urgency to win especially when with, with their contracts being in a 3 year period it's it's the chances are slim and i think we caught lightning in a bottle be, in the beginning when they all first arrived because of Lonzo Ball his impact from a point guard pers- perspective and it was just and they were winning early and it just seemed everything gelled so well um and the fact that when Lonzo got off got out you can just tell when and Zach got hurt things just derailed and once they derailed, the reality is the bulls never picked it back up, even this season. They never really picked it back up. So you know, we got deceived, I like to say with the with cat, catching lightning in the bottle. But the reality is the the younger talent that is with that the bulls have, no matter how great they are and can be development wise, doesn't always match up with the veteran leadership that you have in that locker room. And the only way that gets better is if you bring in guys that can help aid the balance of developing those young guys, but also playing at a high level and showing young guys what it is to win basketball games, to play winning basketball. That's why Patrick Beverly was so huge for the Bulls to get. He changed the dynamic of what it means to win and, and and holding others accountable throughout the process and that is something that the young guys needed to bring, they needed to see. And they grew from that. Kobe White has mentioned to me that Patrick Beverly's impact changed the way he plays the game and it becomes and and his vocality from a leadership perspective. And you saw that within the last four or 14 games of the season. Kobe White, Kobe White played his best basketball of the year. Same with Io. Um, those guys need that type of presence in the locker room, especially in a point guard position where that void now that void seems non-existent it's, it's gonna be hard to fill because it's non-existent you're not expected to get that type of basketball coming back so it's 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 a lot of um i want to i want to say it could be a, a un a un, it, it could be a little bit of a chaos or a combustion potentially take a place from that chemistry perspective but um yeah, it's just it's just a matter of finding the right mix. And commodity-wise, you know, off the court, Bulls they love each other. Players love each other. But on the court, it's a different gov, it's a different type of type of message. And I think the Bulls have an idea of what that message was really sent this season. You mentioned that vocality aspect and mm-hmm.
1: um, it did show uh with Kobe, especially this year in the past. You games, we were just talking about that before you came on, that when he came in, like it seemed like the offense settled more,
3: mm-hmm.
1: where he was actually finding Booch in getting him the ball in the proper positions. And just like when, when that wasn't available, he was opening it up and making direct passes to like to P-Will and getting him clear shots. Do you think moving forward, if well, they've already stated that they are trying to bring him back. Do you think that Billy will give him that opportunity to kind of take the the reins of the offense and and be more assertive and direct players? Like, is that eventually something that he will be allowed that leeway to grow into?
3: I would say yes, because he's more mature now in not just the mental aspects of the game, but the physical components of his game and his skill set to actually be a point guard. Um when he took that position two years ago, he wasn't ready. And it showed that he wasn't ready. Um, but there was no winning expectations with that team, anyways, because there was so much turmoil. We talk about um Fred Horberg being gone, and you got Jim Boylan, uh Garpax, you know, it it was a lot of stuff going on <laughs> when Kobe White got here. Um, so him learning on the fly, you know to be that point guard that quite frankly for that system just wasn't neat. It just didn't fit. Um, That's why Alonzo Ball was so such a huge pickup because he fit exactly what Billy Donovan was looking for, which was at the time a traditional point guard. But I think because of this offensive change that's taking place, it allowed time for Kobe White to find his niche, which for him was when that, that he was comfortable with was coming off the bench and just being him, Kobe White is not a regular point guard. He is a scoring point guard. He is a put. To, I'm, I'm. I can get guys in the right positions, but my best skill set is putting the ball in the basket. And now the Bulls have a chance to use some of that growth and some of that skill set to implement it into an offense that, quite frankly, needs that high power because if you don't have that high power, you're going to be sluggish. There's, there's not going to be no, no quick pace to your offense, which is why i started the season as the point guard anyways, because I'll push the pace. But you also saw that I was also young two years in the league. He still has to grow in, you know, certain areas that quite frankly, that position needed because Kobe white now has that growth and maturation. He has a better chance of taking on that role. Um, Will he be a starting point guard this year? I don't know. I think it can be a good chance if the Bulls don't find another way to settle that point guard position or bring in a backup point guard that is like, like they did with going drogates originally that can, you know, be a veteran presence in that position while letting the young guy just go at it. Um, If they do something like that. Yeah. I can see Kobe white starting. Um, But Is it possible that he won't? Yeah, it's possible because if they really go aggressively at this point guard position, with the expectation that as well as as long as Lonzo Ball does eventually heal and he's able to actually come back this season, you know that space is going to be kind of limited for that role from a minutes perspective. But it's possible.
2: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they're going to do with that because he did mention too in the presser that he is not not naturally a point guard he's a guard mm-hmm. and uh, he had mentioned too that um he had to like really sit down with himself and take a look at himself in the mirror and say i just need to play to my strengths you know do what i do best and that's a guard so versus a point guard so it'd be interesting to see what they do this season and if we're going to do any any make any moves with the point guard position and in hindsight do you think that we did enough the team did enough to develop Dalen this year. I mean, it's obvious why we picked him up, but do you think that they could have done more to give him some type of just more experience, game time experience?
3: Yeah, I I I I expected Dalen to be like what I O was when his when he first got there. Mm-hmm. You know, get him a little bit of minutes here and there, see what he does. He'll blow your mind, and then okay, he has to know choice but to be in the rotation. And he, he rightfully should have been, because when you talk about the Bulls' inconsistency inconsistencies when regarding you know lack of effort, lack of energy, playing slow and sluggish, not not enough, you know tenacity, especially on the defensive end, you know, Dalen came in and switched all that around. Whenever he was playing, he may not score, he may not be the best shooter, but he can slash. and he can rebound he's a solid rebounder for a guard and he's a great defensive presence you know he's still learning those and he still obviously has some you know skill sets to learn and develop over time but he gives you a spark and I think he should have played more this year uh, considering that the Bulls needed that in a lot of games that he didn't play in um and I believe that Billy Donovan is kind of seeing that um, And I think that that could change next year, to where Dale and Terry, we might see a lot more Dale and Terry. But he should have played more. Bottom line, he should have he should have played more to give the Bulls what they needed. And you know, obviously they bite the bullet with that one, but he should have been playing more.
0: Mm-hmm. You talked about you know Kobe playing his best basketball when Patrick Beverly came in, and now Pat's been talking to the young guys, and you know. If having that veteran role, do you get the sense that the Bulls would try to re-sign Patrick Beverly?
3: Um, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, And quite frankly, I think they should. Because when you talk about the point guard market out there, especially from a free agency perspective, I don't know if you're going to get any type of quality point guard that can provide what Patrick Beverly does especially when your focus is defensive intensity around the perimeter holding people accountable so veteran leadership and having the ability to bring energy every night and when necessary knock down a three point jump shot that's that you not, that's not available in the, in the in the free agent market right now um and he was one of the main reasons why the bulls We're above 500 post all-star break when he arrived and literally three minutes away from being in the playoffs. So because of that, he's a, and he's a hometown kid too. I would not be surprised if the bulls looked back and said, Hey, you know, we love what you did here. We want you to continue that moving forward. And the best thing about it with Patrick Beverly is he knows what it's like to also be a backup point guard. So let's say you do get Lonzo ball back. He can just slide right on over to the bench um, as a backup point guard, which he's done before, and he'll be fine. Um, At the the end of the day, he filled and provided in some ways, not every way, but in some ways, what the Bulls needed in that position. And I I will be foolish to not reconsider bringing him back, knowing that if you had him earlier in the season, you might be a playoff team.
0: You know, when, when we got him, I, I made the, the comment of, uh, oh, we have a coach now <laughs> because we got Patrick Beverly who can go out there and actually hold guys accountable and <laughs> run an offense.
3: Yeah, and Billy Donovan loves him. Like, Billy Donovan, you know, appreciates the fact that he doesn't just necessarily have to constantly coach those guards like that all the time. Patrick Beverly can just step in and be a player coach in a lot of ways on the court. And they see eye to eye a lot. And Billy Donovan has been very adamant and appreciative of Patrick Beverly's voice, which is what the Bulls needed in that locker room. So because of that confirmation and, you know, Arturo is being very adamant on making sure he's evaluating all options to improve the roster and the team. Yeah. Bring him back. Bring that fire intensity back. Run it back at least for another year. See what happens. Because he plays well with the veteran players, and the veteran players want him. They love him. He, he's one of those guys where you love to have him on your team, but you hate to play against him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if I was, and since the Bulls know what that looked like, I would hate to not to hate to play against him next year. Because he's, he's gonna circle you on the calendar. <laughs> um so. I think I think the Bulls will, will look into that for sure, and they'll be foolish not to at least reconsider it. If there's better options out there, by 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 all means, go for it. But he's a good insurance policy for what you're looking for. Yeah, we're being locked in. Crazy. Does
1: that include um, the coaching staff as well? Like, will we see any changes from the bench? Uh, maybe like the um, the assistant coaches, or I have just putting it out there, like if the Bulls come out and like they're just sluggish or terrible at the beginning, does Bully have a full leash or is it is it short?
3: Can you speak on that at all? Um, I don't expect any coaching changes to take place. Uh, Billy Donovan did sign an extension with the team, even though they did it really hush-hush and no one knew about it until literally months later. But he's locked in long term. So, because the fact he's locked in long term, and he does have a good rapport with the front office, and front office seems to really include him a lot in the personnel decisions and moves that need to be made for this, for so that way he can coach the way that he needs to coach and desires to coach. I don't think I expect any changes like that to be made.
0: Yeah, the the fans wanted it. It was kind of doubtful, especially since. The whole coach staff got an extension before the season.
2: A secret one, low-key one.
3: (laughs) Yeah, that that still rubs my head. I I mean, I get it, Um, especially since Billy Donovan is known for, you know, his being a player's coach. He did help the Oklahoma City Thunder go to the Western Conference Finals when he did have Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook, you know, and players thrived in under his under his, you know, under his tenure, Russell Westbrook was his, won his MVP under Billy Donovan. You know, um, Billy Donovan was literally what a win away from getting the Thunder to the NBA Finals if they didn't blow that three-one <laughs> lead with the with the Golden State Warriors. Um, and you know, he coached a young team that was led by Chris Paul in the bubble to the first round to the playoffs. And taking the Houston Rockets to seven games, which is something that no one expected. And for him to be here in Chicago, he turned the team around and got them to the playoffs for the first time in years. So there's a winning record that comes with Billy Donovan. But the fact that they did it so hush-hush definitely raises some question marks for me and how they do business. Because at the end of the day, maybe it could have been a little too soon. And you just want, and, and you know, you wanted to just lock in the guy at the time when you could have, considering that you see that there's, you know, a playoff success that can come with that, and I, I can see that, but I don't see why they had to do it so hush hush. That's definitely raising some question marks for me how they do business. It's, it's very Gar Gar Pax-ish, um with that type of with that type of move and how they did that. So I definitely still got my, you know, question marks regarding that.
0: I, I, I was surprised like nobody <laughs> asked him today like why was it so hush hush
2: probably because he was sitting right there <laughs>
0: <laughs> right <Mm-mm. laughs> you want to talk about me to my face <laughs>
2: <laughs> what did you think about when uh, Billy pulled Kobe those last few minutes I'm curious to get your opinion on that because we were talking about like him trusting, I mean he said he trusts, he puts his trust in Kobe in the pressure too. And um, we know that Billy is a big fan of Pat.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, what what is your opinion on that? Why do you think he made that? So
3: Because you gotta do what it takes to win. And the reality is, you know, as much as Kobe White was killing it, uh Patrick Beverly's the proven guy. He's a proven point guard that knows what it's like to, you know, win in clutch moments and he knows how to respond to those moments. So I believe that, um, you know, Patrick Beverly and the impact that he brings on both ends of the floor made it easy for Billy Donovan to be like, all right, come on, <laughs> you know, let's make the switch. And quite honestly, it's been like that all season long mm-hmm. because when you talk about Kobe White, there's, t- there's plenty of times where, You know, him and Pat, if they make certain mistakes too often, they're getting yanked. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's going with a veteran presence. And that could be frustrating for a young guy because how can you expect a young guy to develop if he can't make mistakes and play through those mistakes? And, you know, even though Billy Donovan admires and acknowledges Kobe's growth, that still can be a concern considering that Kobe White isn't settling to be isn't trying to settle to be a backup point guard. Dude's trying to be a starting point guard in the league. If he feels like he can't get that here, why should he be here? Right? Um so but they but they know those things. They know those things and Kobe has always been positive about Billy Donovan. Uh loves playing for Billy Donovan. Um and and you know, he, he believes in him. So they have to have enough rapport so that way when Kobe White comes out of games, you know, he, you know, even though they might disagree, he still respects Billy Donovan enough to trust it, you know, what he's doing. And Billy Donovan has made it known that he'll yank anybody because he did it with Zach Levine. And we saw how that went. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's something to keep my, eye, it's something that you pay attention to for sure. But um, considering that Billy Donovan has, that type of pull to where he's not afraid to yank anyone out of a game when they need to be yanked to help the team win. It's one of the, honestly is one is a really actually great attribute to have as a coach because it shows that just because it's, it's great for accountability purposes, just because you, you may be getting all the money in the world or you guaranteed the spot right now. It also means that if you don't get your job done, I'm going to make sure I do mine. So I'm not on a hot seat. And you can't blame him for that. Yeah. um, So, yeah,
0: it sounds pretty much like their plan is simply to kind of make a tweak here and there, but still run with this core for next year. Uh, I know a lot of Bulls Nation has not liked the word continuity, (laughs) but it definitely seems like Continuity is still going to be the theme of the roster next year. And I know Damar mentioned, like, last year, Zach wasn't healthy. And this year, with the quad in the second half, when Zach finally got back healthy. So does it seem to you that if they are both healthy, Vooch is back, Kobe's back, that this team with minor tweaks – can be a playoff team instead of barely making the play. in
3: Yeah, I, I do agree with that. Um, the fact that we were even a playing team and we were literally three minutes away from making it to the playoffs with what we have now, I think is a testament to the Bulls talent. And the fact that if you do make minor tweaks um, and both players can be healthy and all your players, the stroke core players can be healthy, you know, a lot of positive can come to the point where you are playing, turn up, a, a, you know, a playoff team. Um, and it's funny to think about because when you really do think about it, even though both of those players weren't always healthy at the same times, the two years they played together, each of them made All Star appearances. So individually, it works. You know, some that that duo can work individually, and they become and they could become arguably one of the top deadliest duos in the league but combining that with a solid point guard and you find a way to get boots to continue to being the double double machine that he is and impacting the game offensively and defensively yeah i'll take that any day and the bulls have clearly made it known they will too so i think that's going to be a game changer this year when with, with the fact that you'll be coming into next season with a healthy demar Derozan. And a healthy Zach Levine, which is something that they expected but never got the reality of.
0: Yeah, well, you hear it there, Bulls Nation, <laughs> still believe in this core because whoever you're doing, that, they're going to be back most likely. <laughs> they're going to try to get booch.
3: Right, and my and my and I guess my response to Bulls Nation when they say, you know completely rebuild and get rid of you know and all those type of things who are you going to get in return for these people because the market is kind of is, is kind of low for each of these players um especially when you talk about trying to get draft capital on top of maybe quality talent that can keep the team afloat and you don't want to do a full rebuild because they already made it clear we're not trying to do a rebuild you're trying to retool so if you were to trade any of those people what are you going to get back in return as of right now? Because you missed your chance at the trade deadline, which is probably when they had their highest value. So wh- wh- what were you going to get to replace them? And at this present moment, you can't tell me. You can you can get anyone. You just you can't say that. So because there's no guarantee, you have no choice really but to run it back. And since you're going to run it back, you are now going to have to be forced to make certain changes so that way your decision in running it back makes the most sense. <laughs> it's supported. But if to me, if you if you were to trade Booch and you can't get a top center back or top quality picks to go along with quality talent that can play right now because you're in a win-now situation, what what are you gonna do to what were you gonna do anyways? Like it just doesn't make sense to me to where. The Bulls are in the Bulls are in a weird situation because you're in a win now situation with the talent that the core talent that can help get you there, but the resources around it aren't. And until you fix that problem, I don't know how you can even fix the core. So I don't know, man. I'm just I'm just here watching the games every day like everybody else, reporting on just seeing what they see on the outside looking in. What do I know? But uh yeah, man, I, I think this core technically can work, but it's gotta be a lot of changes They gotta come to it from the from the other players' perspectives to make this team move forward. Well,
1: you know a lot, Joshua. We got an insider now, so we appreciate <laughs> it. Before we get you out of here, um, can you tell us are you gonna be at Bulls Fest? Are you gonna be involved at all?
3: Um, remains to be seen. Um but let's put it this way. If I ain't going to be involved in Bulls Fest, you guys will definitely see it on the social media.
0: <laughs>
3: we'll, we'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> that works too. That works too. <laughs> if I'm there, you'll see me there. Sounds good. Um, and
1: where, where can we follow? Uh, can you tell everybody where we can follow you at on social media?
3: Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at JoshMHicksMedia. Uh, you get all my content from there regarding war media and the bigs. Well, we appreciate you being on. Thank you again.
2: for coming on. Appreciate hey,
3: it. Appreciate the opportunity. And come back anytime you want to. Hey, sounds good to me. All right.
0: Thanks for coming, Joshua. All right. Take care. Yep. And, of course, Bulls Fest will be held now. The date is moved to August 19th through 20th. Uh, Website updated, so... If you went there before, <laughs> it was a week earlier, but it's now going to be August 19th through 20th. Hope to see all you guys there. Justin, you, you coming out to Chicago for the Bulls Fest?
1: Uh, I am definitely going to try to make that happen.
0: Of course, I know. It's I'm like a- 80%, <laughs> 80% chance. 80% chance. pretty
2: high. Yeah, pretty good. Those
0: are pretty good odds here. Yeah, that sounds pretty much like a eighty percent chance (laughs) the whole nothing but bulls case will be there. So, because I know Melissa is of course going to be there, and I'm making the flight out. So, yeah, hope to see all the Bulls Nation there. Should be fun. So yeah, yeah. we have no more games to discuss when season's over. <laughs> but you know, it, it, it's like basketball, it never stops. So try cook up with some guests and till then go bulls. Go bulls. bulls.
2: Tennis game over. The horn blows.